if the bond market starts to push its money that way to sound money, like look at Japan just now. They can't sell their bonds, they can't give them away. They're literally trying to here print money and give it to people to take for 10 years and nobody wants it. When you start to put these things together, you can see how the El Salvador experiment, whatever you want to call it, actually looks really credible. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the Bitcoin Collective Podcast, your journey into Bitcoin, sound money and macroeconomics with me, Jim. And me, Jordan. So Jordan, you've been quite a busy, you've been quite a busy, industrious young chappy, haven't you? Yeah, that's been uh, some week last week was down in London, meeting up with some Bitcoiners, uh, putting on a institutional Bitcoin workshop, meeting with some potential sponsors. Yeah, it's been full on, but in a good way, a very yeah. good way. Well, that's good. It's been an interesting seven days because obviously we've watched Bitcoin go from $16,500 to just over $21,000. And I think $21,000 was the kind of like, oh, can I get over twenty one? It was a kind of resistance point, I think. Yeah, it's the two. It's around there for the two hundred um, week moving average. So yeah, that's like usually the bottom. So that's where people labelled it as like a significant step. And was that? I think that's also when I look at the, the the graphs and the technical analysis. That's what it was before the the FTX scandal. Yeah, true. Actually, that will have affected. It's like it's a black swan event. Yeah. Uh, is going to affect that. So what? where would Bitcoin have gone if we didn't have FTX? It might have just stayed around 21,000. But we had that and we flushed out a lot of bad actors, which was good. And we managed to get some sats pretty pretty cheap. Yeah, I suppose it was. Um, so I'm, I, where I am in this just now is I'm really cheesed off because I was, I was with all the doom and gloomers Hoping that we go down to twelve or thirteen thousand, where I could buy like a, I was just going to go. I'm going to buy a full Bitcoin if it goes to that. I'm going to like sell the car and do it, and it didn't. The the little honey badgers popped up to twenty one thousand. But I bet a lot of people would have been. Does that number just keep going down and down and down? Do you do you just say oh when it gets to? I'm not saying you. I'm just saying people in general. This is how like kind of investing goes, right? And it's like, when it gets to this number, oh, I'll buy it. And I've been, like, I put this in my notes to say this. It's like, now there's going to be a lot of FOMO and regret that people didn't buy a lot more, a lot lower. Um, When I was at 15,500, like, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I just buy some more? Who says it might? It probably will go back down again. Exactly. Um, Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so I've been listening to a few of the technical traders and they are suggesting that. So they, they forecast this pump up to 20,000. They actually forecast up to be 18.5. So it surpassed their expectations. And of course, they're now shorting it. And I looked today at the Bitcoin RSI, which is showing overbought. So you're right. It could probably lose a bit of energy, pop back down again. So. I mean, it caught me, I was surprised because I thought, where's this come from? And I know there was the CPI 
uh, figures in America were quite good and quite positive and everyone's hearing about, oh, maybe we won't we raise rates and all the rest of it. I thought that was an interesting... So some, somebody had to... Somebody was buying it. But to go up like that amount of money, somebody had to buy it. Yeah. For context, CPI, for anyone that doesn't know, is just the inflation rate. So in America, it was lower than projected. Or it came down further than projected to 6... Is it 6.5% is sitting at now in America? Yeah, and the good thing about it is it's another manipulated stat because they keep changing the basket of goods that measures the CPI in America and is driving everyone nuts. Um, however, it sure just shows you all of a sudden, I remember we were talking about, you know, remember Bitcoin used to jump up $3,000 and there you go, in a week it jumped up $3,000, but I'm still hoping and I don't want everyone to take this wrong way. I'm hoping it falls back to $13,000 again so I can buy a little Bitcoin to add to my little collection. <laughs> little collection of Bitcoins. Yeah, I mean... Maybe Bitcoins. <laughs> what was that? It's a wee Bitcoin. Oh, did you just... It's just... It's just, I, oh, I, just, co- just, I just collect little Bitcoins all over the place. I've got them all over... They're littered all over the house. Just Bitcoins. Everywhere you go, there's a Bitcoin in the room. What's that Bitcoin doing there? I thought I'd put that somewhere else. So, I mean, does it not feel, does it not feel to you, Jordan, and the listeners, that we are living in this matrix world just now? Let me explain. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got, you've got the Scottish government, and I know that lots of people listening around the world might think, oh, who cares about the Scottish government? Well, it's almost like one of these little... It's a wee kiddie on government. It's like a pretend government. But, you know, they like to pay themselves lots of money and they like to make sure that they're very important. So they've, so they've created this bill and it's about tra- you know trans people and giving them rights. And then what's happened is the Parliament at Westminster said, look, that doesn't quite fit with England, so we're going to have to invoke our powers and amend your bill type of thing. And of course, I watched today... All these Scottish national politicians getting so hot under the collar, losing the rag, all standing up, giving, you know, whip-jacking speeches about la-di-da. And I thought, you guys are fucking off your heads because right now the world is burning and you're, you know, the world is burning and you're debating this. You know, what? I, no, I understand it's so important to the people who are trans. I, I, I totally get that. But right now, all that parliamentary time should be focused on the cost of living crisis, the energy crisis, the monetary crisis, and then all these little things should just be like, let's sort that first before we sort what changing room someone goes in. And, and it just, and they look at it and think, this is the matrix we're living in. And they don't know it, Jordan. They So they, they're living in this. So those MPs and those MSPs are getting paid salaries, 80,000, 84,000, bang, they get that every month, plus all their expenses. And where does that come from, that money? That's the whole thing. They, they, they are living in this. They've got no clue that we're looking at them in the matrix going, poor fuckers. And I don't think they can reset it. I don't think they can do it. I think they're just like, we'll continue to make ourselves look really important and we'll stand up there and give these these barnstorming speeches while the world burns. And I think to myself, you know, you've got Nadim uh, Sahawi, 
who's the who was the senior Tory minister. And he was getting investigated for his tax affairs and he's never agreed to pay whatever he's paid, three or four million or whatever it is. You're like, all this is going on. They're living their world in the Westminster bubble and the Holyrood bubble while, while and then you've got Joe Biden. Oh, uh, they're, find, they're finding classified documents everywhere. The same way I've got Bitcoin dotted <laughs> all over my house. He's got, he's got classified documents dotted all over the place. The dog's digging up holes and finding them. They're in the swimming pool or up in the loft in the back of his Corvette. I mean, and and he, where's the FBI? Donald Trump had got a full FBI banging in the doors. Joe Biden has got that. The whole, the whole thing right now, when you actually look at it is, and it's for Bitcoiners. If you get Bitcoin, you can see the matrix that we're living in. It's not, a, I think, so Peter Schiff, tweeted this and then I saw that you you've tweeted it as well about the Ponzi scheme yeah. like that's what we're living in right now and it's it is like distraction away from a Ponzi scheme is what we're seeing is keeping the Ponzi schemes going by just putting other bits in front of us and debating other things apart from the money because I'll read out what Peter Schiff never made his read mine mine was far better <laughs> they are just the same. No, mate. I put mine out and then okay. Schiff copied me. It was me it was me talking about the, the super Ponzi. It's a super Ponzi. And we, I know we're going to discuss that. And well, if you want if you want to bring in Peter Schiff to this podcast, Sonny Boy, you do that. But just remember the listeners are going to crucify you. <laughs> right, shoot. Shoot for Schiff. Well, I'll, I can't even you, you tweet so much, I can't even find it. So I'm going with Shifty Boy. Okay. So the U.S. Treasury Sec, <laughs> the U.S. Treasury Secretary has admitted the only way to avoid a default on the national debt is to raise the debt ceiling, so the government can borrow from new lenders to repay existing lenders. This amounts to an official admission that the U.S. is running the world's largest Ponzi scheme. So I think it's important that. I then looked up the def. What is the actual definition of a Ponzi scheme? Yes, and a Ponzi scheme is a form of fraud that lures investors and pays profits to early investors with funds from more recent investors. It's the same thing. It's yeah. exactly the same thing, and that's what we're living in. When we're talking about living in the matrix, are we just living in a Ponzi scheme? <laughs> so, just so you know, Jim Duffy. Bitcoin pleb for Dundee has coined the phrase Super Ponzi, American Super Ponzi. Apparently, Dan Held, James Labish, Greg Foss, they're all going nuts. Like, hey, man, he got Super Ponzi before us. Jim is the Super Ponzi guy. So, <laughs> coming coming back to James Lavish's tweet, I mean, James Lavish put a, an absolutely first-class I mean, it was first class, wasn't it? I mean, if you, if that was to be to be able to do that in such a clever way through a series of tweets and show you how the American debt will never be paid and how it was ramping up and it was actually scary, I thought I thought it was great. Yeah. So for anyone that's not right, I mean, we're going to talk through it just now in a very very high level because James Lavish does it in such detail. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're going to talk through it, but it was a tweet. 
that James put out, and I'll put it in the the show notes. And it actually carried on from. I wonder if James listens to the podcast, but because it, it actually carried on from what we were talking about last week of looking at the debt and when will this ever stop? Will it ever stop? And that's exactly what James is looking into, but <laughs> a lot more detail than we did. So I think I think what you need to be aware of is that the White House, 10 Downing Street and the Butte House in Scotland all stop when your pod goes out and the first thing they do is listen to it. So, I mean, I can see why James Lavish does because if the President of the United States does, it's, you know, it's just one of these things. But what he did, so, so I've looked at the debt clock many a time. Now, the, if you go to usdebtclock.org, usdebtclock.org, and it's D-E-T, it's, this clock basically shows you the US debt, and then, then what it does is it segments it all down to different things. And I've looked at it so many times, and I've only looked at the headlines, Jordan. So, for example, when you talk about the US debt at thirty, almost $31.5 trillion, so I was like, oh, well, that, well, that's terrible. But then when James said, well, this is all money that they've borrowed. They've borrowed it from other governments, from companies, and they've got to pay it back. I was like, that's when the penny dropped. It's not just like, oh, we'll just create it. They've actually got to pay that back. Yeah, And the and debt interest on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the debt interest on it was just like, I just couldn't, I could not believe that, how much they pay. And then every year, it goes up by one point. It's for the actual deficit. So America, la, 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 America. Everyone come to America, right? Everyone's going to America. But it's burst. But they go, if they're going there, it's the asylum seekers down at the channel here. They're coming across thinking this is the, the, the land of milk and honey. But we, we're burst as well. So that they're living on a credit card. And that credit card in America costs them $1.3 trillion. So there's, just like you said, it's the Ponzi credit card, $1.3 million, just pop that on there, beep, no problem. And then they're doing that every year. So the actual debt's going up. I am. And, um, and, so and that's, the, that's the world. Yeah. I love the living on a credit card. We've never said that before. And that's exactly what it's like. And that puts it in perspective to real people and people maybe that aren't in Bitcoin and aren't in this matrix is countries living on credit cards. Just think of it like that. So you're right. They they are living on a credit card. And the, the the thing is, so if you, if you apply for a credit card, the first thing the credit company will do is they'll check, they'll go to credit reference agencies, they'll check your credit score, they want to know how much money you earn, what your debts are. But America just like, it just keeps on going. <laughs> it's not like every year, Mr. Duffy, the limit in your credit card is £8,000. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. But that doesn't go up. They don't come to me next year and say, the limit's £16,000. Because otherwise, right now, my limit would be £100,000. And America just gets bigger and bigger each year. And that's the that's the bit, Jordan, that is terrifying. And he it's when he looks at the numbers and he says, Yeah, you can look at the national debt and you can look at all these numbers, but when you actually start looking at not just that, but when you zoom in the clock and you look at um all the all the different uh, outs 
outside that debt. It's massive. It's something like 400, is it 470 trillion? It was a ridiculous number. Um, yeah, the, oh, I don't know what he called it. You got, it says the US government owes another 173 trillion. Now, you've got to think about this num- these numbers. We're, say, they're, we're using trillion, trillion. What the US government owes another $173 trillion to pay off various programs like Medicare and Social Security. That makes $204 trillion. He says, yes, trillion dollars that the US government currently owes people. <laughs> and even he says, now a moment of silence. For the US Treasury. What do you do? So I just Googled what put trillion into perspective. And the first thing that came up was one trillion dollars would stretch nearly from the earth to the sun. How crazy is that? That one trillion dollars will stretch that to the sun. And that puts into perspective how much we're actually talking about here. I mean, in distance. But it's wild. Then you're talking about what was it, 170-odd trillion? It gets worse. <clears throat> so what, what James Lavish, he finished off his essay, and he, he said, by the year 2027, which is only what, four years away, the, the CBO projects that the deficit, instead of being 1.3 trillion every year, will be 1.8 trillion, a jump of 40%, Taking the national debt, just which is now thirty-one trillion, to forty-four trillion in four years, that is just, it's just crazy. That's why, and this is what we were talking about last podcast, as well, right? We were like, when does this stop? Like, how, what's it going to be like in ten years? Well, that's just proven what it's going to be like in four years. <laughs> four years. I just find that. I just saw, I found James Labish's series of tweets just mind-blowing for anyone. So when we when we talk about orange pilling, it doesn't matter whether you live in Iceland, Scotland, Turkey, Australia, Hong Kong, Venezuela, Argentina, Alaska. It makes no difference. In terms of orange pilling someone, you sit and you go through that and they go, Oh, if you were to go through that and you could get them to understand it, say, oh, so basically America's burst and it's living in the, it's the biggest credit card. It just it's, it's a constant credit card. Yes. And is that the same with other countries? Yes. Is the United Kingdom the same? Yes. Is Germany the same? Yes. Okay, so, so the world basically lives on the never-never. Uh-huh. And But Bitcoin's different. Oh, right, because it's capped and you can't print. You can see how... You could take that to a, an economics class at Oxford University and explain the difference between Keynesian and Austrian economics, and they would get it. They would just get it. So thank you, James Lavish. Yes, thank you. And for everything that he, I think we, I'll put in the show description as well, his newsletter, and because I think everyone should sign up to it. We uh, just the way that he tells stories and describes complex things to do with Bitcoin and finance is yeah impressive. Moving things on a little bit, now that we've we've given everyone an economics lesson, 
Where right now is the Bitcoin fear and greed index? Because over the last three months, it's been an extreme fear. Everyone's been terrified. Hence why I was hoping it would go down to $13,000 and could buy some more. What's it sitting at now, Jordan? I'm looking it up as we speak. It's at 51 and neutral. 51 and neutral. Isn't that amazing how in the space of, I guess, three weeks, it's basically gone from extreme fear to everything's neutral, nothing to see here, officer. These are not the droids you're looking for. La-di-da-di-da. But it's good that it's neutral just now, even though everything else is overbought. Mm-hmm. So, moving moving on to why I believe that... So, if you were to compare the US debt and Jim's super Ponzi, Jim's American super Ponzi theory, I'm going to have, I'm going to have people phoning me up. Tell me about your super Ponzi theory. Uh, I remember Dan Hale did the super cycle. I'm going to be the super Ponzi guy. Yeah. Anyway, so... <laughs> You look at El Salvador, and I think we talked in the last pod about that. So they're getting their legislation together to to do their uh, volcano bonds. Yes. Okay. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So they're doing that, and the idea is that they will bring in one million dollars or in U.S. dollars value, and then they're going to put half of that, half a billion, in towards building Bitcoin City. And then the other half are just buying Bitcoin with it. But that's going to be, they're not just doing one round of bonds because countries do lots of rounds of bonds. If the first one's successful and they're going to be a, pay a coupon rate of 6.5%. So be but all hinged on the Bitcoin price going up. It's going to be hard for it not to go up when they're buying it that amount. But it's interesting that that little country's decided we're not, we've played this game. It's time to change the, change the rules of the game. I mean, you look at President Bukele's, I didn't realise the name of his party, his political parties, New Ideas. That's the name of it, New Ideas. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So like Nuevo Ideas or something. Oh, wow. So it's not like we are the Christian Democrats or the Socialist Leftists. It's New Ideas. And I think he's been voted in and they've like, if we don't, if we continue to do what we'll do, we'll just be in this quagmire. Let's change the rules of the game. And I was thinking, Wow. And if, if by June or July of this year, they actually pull off these bonds and their GDP continues to go up, I had to laugh today, some journalist in The Guardian was talking about the crypto experiment there and it's all gone. You're like, you, you, you've never even set foot in the country. Mind you, either have I. But I've been, I've been speaking to Dookie um, and uh, Samson about a visit. I spoke to them the other day, actually. Oh, good. Um, how cool is that if they pull that off? Oh, it will be a massive step for the adoption of Bitcoin because we're moving now to a nation state level and it's still seen as an experiment, right? In El Salvador. But if they can release these bonds and launch these bonds, it gives it more credibility and other countries will follow, right? And other countries that are getting suppressed by the US dollar. And yeah, they will follow in the footsteps of El Salvador. And I like to think that it will be 
a big success, but who knows in this world? <laughs> but what they're doing is they're saying, they're sticking two fingers up to the IMF and the WEF, and they're saying, we don't want your money. We don't want your money, China. We're going to do it our way. We don't want your you, uh, your money, USA. We're going to do it our way. Now, if they can pull off a good secure round of and get that first billion in the door, you're right. Other countries are going to look at it and go, well, if the if the bond market, which is worth, oh, they talk about three hundred trillion, if the bond market starts to push its money that way to sound money, then other, like look at Japan just now, they can't sell their bonds, they can't give them away. And there, there's big talk of Japan over the next couple of weeks. Is, mm, where's that going to go? They're literally trying to here print money and give it to people to take for ten years, and nobody wants it. But is it the El Salvador? It's when you when you start to put these things together, you can see how the El Salvador, the El Salvador experiment, whatever you would call it, actually looks really credible. Hell yeah! Like <laughs> it's really good. I'm so excited to see what's going to happen to that country in the future. In four years, I yeah. think. Like it's going to be become evident. Like if we're talking just a four year time, we're saying that U.S. national debt is going to be. 44 trillion by then it'll be really interesting to compare that to el salvador and what has happened there because bitcoin will have gone through the next halving by then yes as well yeah. so wow uh yeah it's gonna be exciting uh, to see what happens so, and i think that there's going to be another country that adopts it this year so i i am seriously thinking about having a, a trip down to el salvador and looking at potentially a property there. Now, it's scary at my age. I, I guess a bit scary, but I'm, you know, I spoke to Doogie. He's down there. He's got his family in the flat. They're, they're, they're enjoying it. So, so they're really scoping it out. So at some point, you've got to go. Now, I get there was on T Beach and all that. I mean, I don't even know if it was on T Beach. If it's just a bunch of rocks, who knows? But interesting to see if you're going to build a brand new city, based on geothermal and volcanic energy, see the amount of jobs and GDP they'll create as a result of that if they get it right. That could be stunning. Now, it may be 10 or 15 years to go it all works out, but I just thought, wow, that's pretty cool compared to the US debt. <laughs> it's just going up and up and up. Yeah. And then it's hopefully the people... Because a few documentaries that I've seen in El Salvador is like it's getting adopted, but people still aren't fully educated on it. Yeah. Um. So I think there's still a big, just from an outside perspective, it looks like there is still a big education gap to fill. They've got it there ready, but it's just educating people on why they should be using it and why they should be holding it. And I mean, this segues us into what Caitlin Long. Uh, tweeted yeah and it was yeah do you want to explain yeah so essentially what uh, somebody put a tweet out talking about the they segmented the how many people from different age groups in america own bitcoin and it was a good nice bit of research mm -hmm. and she came back now for the for the audience caitlin long is the ceo of custodia bank um, and they're trying to get a Bitcoin banking license in what's the name of that state? It's not Colorado, Wyoming. Wyoming, Wyoming, yeah, Wyoming. So, by the way, I'm 
don't think I want to go to Wyoming. I think I'd rather go to El Salvador. It's warmer. But essentially, the, the, the key takeaway, what she gleaned from that, was that 29% of American millennials, that's a big number, own Bitcoin. And they've got and they've got money and they've got jobs and they've got she was talking about there's a lot of them, you know, move to places like Washington, DC, they take these jobs there. So she said there's people in government as advisors and all the rest of it who get the whole Bitcoin thing and they've bought it. So it's not as if you can say, Oh, it's just it's just a few plebs, just a few sort of, of the sub the uh, subculture of Bitcoin. It's massive in America. And that's going to create a that's lot of the, influence moving forward. Yeah, that was the big thing, I think, is that there is 25% of Americans who earn over $100,000 per year yeah. own Bitcoin from this yeah. study that was done, which actually gives significant power because, yeah, they might not all know about it or know everything about it they might just have it and bought it on coinbase or whatever yeah but it gives power to the people and it's essentially it could be seen as another a fort uh, i don't know where i'm going with that <laughs> i'll put it up on the screen so people can read it <laughs> so my, my again on the last pod and we're building we build we people think we just talk but we're building stuff up all the time so the last one we talked about how, how to orange pill people and then we're bringing up talking about the debt. We're talking about countries that are trying to take a different route. But ultimately, you still have to try an orange pill. And I think that, I think if you use that whole scenario with this, well, let me look at one country with all the debt and another one that's trying a different way with Bitcoin. You can see why, oh, so Bitcoin's just not, it's not that thing there. It's not like, uh, it's, it's actually something that a country is trying to build its economy on. Wow. Okay. And, it's, and so you've got your case study. You've got your Harvard case study emerging right there in front of you, haven't you? Yeah. And I think more universities, more colleges should be using El Salvador as a case study, right? Yeah. Interesting that in the last bear market, when I was started to buy I was, I, I, I'm really sorry I was buying things like Cardano, but it did make me a lot of money and I'm really sorry and all the rest of it. But when you haven't had the kind of bull market that we went through, so we had you and I and Chris, et cetera, we're all buying, and we're buying and holding in the hope and the expectation that one day it would go. And then it went big style, didn't it? It was literally this year, it was this time two years ago, because I remember you come into your living room in T Street. And I was like, whoa, remember it was just going up and up. We went to 21 and 24. And we, we talked about um, Elon Musk, you know, buying it and all that sort of stuff. And then we had that bull market. I was like, way, life is so good. Let's go surfing. And then, boom, it's come down again. And if I'm being honest with the, the listeners, I've, I've had a perk in my step this week because it jumped up that $3,000. And it wasn't the $3,000. It could have been three or 23. It was just the fact that it did it. And it's like, it still got, I because I know when it does go, boy, is it going to go big. I think, Chris, it, 
it grinds you down, right? Yes. A bear market. Totally. Like, it tests you to see how far you can get. And then that little glimmer of, I'm right. I'm, I'm right. I yes. was right. It's going in the right direction now. I think that's what makes you more excited and does put that, that thing in your step or whatever you said. Yeah, a sprint <laughs> in your step. And because it, well, there was a short right. squeeze. That's the one. The short squeeze for all the all the mm-hmm. folks shorting it gets squeezed out. They had to then buy it. There was talk of some institution buying five billion dollars worth. I don't know if that was just all Twitter, you know, make believe. No idea. But something moved that price. Anyway, living in living in the matrix as we are, with our orange pill. We took the orange pill, and we can see it's like you're you're walking around the matrix, and you can see what's going on. You can see the Scottish government debating this debate. You can see El Salvador, you know, going and doing doing their thing. Yeah, and you like, and you look at all this and you go, actually, it's okay living in the matrix because we know that finally the outcome will be good. One more thing to add here, Jordan, and I know I've hogged this podcast a little bit, but one more thing to add: Did you see today at the World Economic Forum, Saudi Arabia? say they're open, is it open to, is it uh, trading in oil in in another currency out with the US dollar? I did not see that, no. Yeah, so allegedly they're saying, well, it doesn't have to be the US dollar. Now, remember we talked about Saudi Arabia, Iran, Brazil, South Africa, China and Russia all saying, well, we've had enough of the US dollar. And that credit card burst. Let's go and create our own little number here. Yeah, that's the worry, though. That's the worry that they go and create their own little credit card on a blockchain, um, which will probably happen. I, so I think they'll. I think they'll do gold or Bitcoin. I think they'll price it in gold or price it in Bitcoin, because that'll let a crew. Because right now, let's say they sell a barrel of oil and they get seventy dollars. There's not much happening with that because the Fed can control all that, a lot of that, and demand supply. If they, if they take gold for it or Bitcoin and it's appreciating as an asset, so they're selling one asset and then getting another asset that's appreciating. Be daft not to. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is all getting very, yeah. very I, economical. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, let's round it off there. Okay. So how, how are we feeling then? How are we feeling about the start of the year? Is it a dead cat bounce? Are we far too... Have we been smoking the opium or do we believe that because we're in the orange pill matrix, we are on the right road over the next five years? Oh, five years. Yeah, we're definitely on the right road. It's going to be a bumpy road. And in the short term, I reckon it will go back down and go up and go down and go up and down again. But it's going in the long term. Yeah, it, it will go up because we've just we just rattled off how much is getting printed and then added to national debt so inevitably will go up it'll go up the credit card will continue to get used um without any any comeback and jim's super ponzi cycle will probably be up it'll be talked about in universities who which i want you to do a piece on uh, Professor Duffy's super Ponzi cycle. I can see that happening, man. 
coin advert in, in you? I'm all over this. I'm all over it. <laughs> right, everybody. Super pointy time. We'll see you later. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ciao. Thank <laughs> you.